0: Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. How's it going? Great. I'm exhausted. I have traveled this weekend. So I went, I had a six-hour drive uh, and I was only gone from Friday to Sunday. So that was like a lot of driving.
1: And you had a pretty traumatic experience at In N Out Burger.
0: (sighs) Rachel, it's still devastating me. I went to In N Out Burger on my way home last night. I was starving. I didn't know at the time, but I do believe I might be getting my period soon. And I got a chocolate shake, which is something I never do. And I hope the shake tasted weird to me. I opened it up and it looked vanilla. You can go on my Twitter. I have pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so I was so in like, Rachel and I have talked about how upset we get when our food is wrong. Cause we're so hungry at that point. It's just devastating. So I went up to the counter at N and out and I was like, is this chocolate? <laughs> They were the like, poor ma'am. guy was just like, ma'am, <laughs> that's our chocolate. I mean, it was like, ma'am, this is a Wendy's, right? <laughs> like, like a real-life version of that, and it was very upsetting, so I didn't end up eating the shake, and then I've just been a mess ever since, but I'm getting it together, Okay. So, I mean... I mean, look, as
1: someone... I mean, we've both been through a lot of traumatic events in our life, right? so... It's nice to
0: know that we get upset about food. Right.
1: It's nice to know that this is what pushes us over the edge. We've
0: had a shake experience before when we went to Fred 62. And we learned that their chocolate shake was just vanilla with syrup added. And we were like outraged. Well, that was when I went right after my drag show. So I was in
1: full drag with a beard and everything. And first of all, our waiter was not very nice at all. He was not nice. And we were trying to like, you know be nice and stuff and he just was like having a day yeah yeah and that shake like i made like a joke about the shake and i was like "Ooh, not the right day
0: right like right.
1: not 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 the day Well, that's
0: why i said because of that experience that's why i said to the guy in and out can you put a few more pumps because <laughs> i was like i thought that that's how they make chocolate right by putting syrup in maybe and they're like and he no. was like no we make them light here and I'm just like, I have a million questions. I did something I never did before. I tagged in and out <gasps> in my tweet. Desi, you're like a, can I speak to the manager lady? I just want an answer right. about chocolate shakes. I just want to talk. I just have a question. Because I don't, I'm not looking for free coupons <laughs> or like a <laughs> refund. I'd like to know that they need to fix their chocolate shakes or at least let me get extra pumps. Like on the secret menu, it's like an extra pump thing. Like right. I can request extra pumps in my chocolate shake. Right. So that's all.
1: I mean, look, that's fair. I get it. Okay. I get mm -hmm. it. All right. Well, let's, uh, thank some of the people who do make our week a little more bright. (laughs) I mean, that's all of our listeners, whether, whether you donate to our Patreon or not, we're just grateful that you even listen to the show. Yes, we are. So this week, uh, we had Jarrett, Jason, Michael, Juan, Bridget, Samantha, Julia, Marty, Irina, lisa constance barbara jamie laura
0: jane and that's it thank, thank you guys you. and if you want to help out our show but you can't do patreon which is completely understandable we're very close to getting a thousand ratings on itunes so if you could stop by and give us five stars that's like one second i think right yeah because you're already on the app you don't even have Possibly. to leave a review. Yeah, I mean, if you want to leave a review, you can. But the ratings help us, and that would be really great if we hit a thousand pretty right. soon. So, thanks.
1: Also, Rachel's podcast corner, really oh, quick. Okay. So, uh, this week, uh, the episode. By the time this episode is up, the episode I'm about to be talking about will be available on iTunes. I am the guest host of my favorite podcast, The Horror Show. And uh, it's a uh, podcast for people who love horror movies, specifically really bad horror movies. Uh, It's really funny, and I am so honored that my friend Sean let me play guest host this past week. I'll be also the guest host on the show the following week as well. Uh, and then the following week after that. So for the next three weeks, I'm the guest host on this other podcast. If, if you can't get enough of the sound of my voice and you just want to hear me talk (laughs) specifically, if you want to hear me talk about, uh, bad horror movies and review bad horror films, go over and listen to the horror show. You should just listen to them anyway. They're a really great show. I love them so much. And yeah, that's it. Cool. Uh, oh, it's my week. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Get on it. So (laughs) Desi buckle up. Okay.
1: I was like texting Desi this whole week, like, oh my God, this is going to be so juicy.
0: I'm excited because I know a bit about the story, but I haven't heard it in a long time. I don't know the real story. I just know the Dominic Don book that was based on it. Right. Right. So
1: we're going to be talking about a woman named Vicki Morgan and a little bit about her. Her wildlife okay. and, uh, the very powerful people that she got involved with and her downfall. Okay. So Vicki Morgan was born Victoria Lynn Morgan on August 9th, 1952 in Colorado Springs, Colorado to Delbert and Constance Morgan. Vicki was the second child. Her older sister, Barbara was six years older than her. Soon after Vicky was born, Delbert left his wife and children, and though Constance initially swore off men forever, she remarried a man named Ralph Laney, and then they all moved to Montclair, California. Vicky did not grow up well off at all. In fact, when her stepdad died, her mother was left without any money, and she spent many years working in the cafeteria of a local high school. When Vicky was a teenager, her mother spent what little money she had for Vicky to attend modeling school in Covina. Vicky was gorgeous. <laughs> she, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this was Barbizon
0: or what. I think it was like. Before- I'm just laughing at modeling school in Covina. It's <laughs> just like. <laughs> I mean, I think modeling school in general, no matter where it is. I mean, yeah. It's like. It's kind of like funny that that was such a prevalent thing when I was growing up, at least like Barbizon commercials or like yeah. seeing about that. Like that was like a legit thing
1: but they're such they were such scams even then weren't they right
0: i mean i guess they weren't scams per se but there was no reason you needed to do it right right it's
1: not like the route you take no when she was just 16 she got pregnant by her high school sweetheart uh now because of her religious upbringing having an abortion was not an option she enrolled in a new high school called saint anne's school for unwed mothers which is something that I didn't know existed, School for Unwed Mothers. Oh,
0: I've heard that before. You have? Yes. Yep. God. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised. When was this, the 70s?
1: No, this was um, the late 60s. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know how long, long they lasted, but I've heard of that before. Right, yep. right.
1: So that's where she went, and on January 7th, 1969, she gave birth to her son, Todd. But Vicki had her sights set on fame and fortune by way of Hollywood. She had dreams of becoming an actress, and so she moved to Los Angeles. Vicky's son, Todd, was left in the care of her mother. Now, not long after she moved to L.A., Vicky married a 47-year-old man named Earl Lamb when she was just 17. <laughs> and they got married in Vegas. What? That is a huge age difference. Earl Lamb? Yeah, that was his name. What was his job? uh i will tell you okay so <laughs> maybe i didn't write it down but he was in real estate oh uh, okay yeah he was in real estate so he had some money and she was like yeah mom i'm gonna be okay this guy will you know i'm living a, i'm i can live a comfortable life i don't have to scrape by right so vicky from an early age is getting accustomed to being supported right by a man and not like having to pay her own way and and sort of i don't fucking 47 is so much older
0: yeah that's 30 years yeah
1: (laughs) thank you desi desi put her math glasses on so yeah like i said earl had money they lived in the sierra towers building in beverly hills so Mm. they were you know doing pretty okay together
0: well i imagine if you're gonna marry a gross old guy you want them to at least have money right yeah you're not doing that for love right i mean i I don't know i I feel like i'm sure it happens occasionally but i'm imagining at that point look
1: it's like always a very interesting coincidence that the young hot girl marries an old guy and he never happens to be poor right she never
0: falls in love with a poor old guy
1: right so this guy had money they lived in beverly hills that same year vicky was at a restaurant on sunset called the old world restaurant and this restaurant doesn't exist anymore but it's where red rocks was do you remember that it. place? No. Okay. Well, she's at this restaurant. I tried looking up the menu for it, and I couldn't <laughs> find it, cause, and that made me sad. Old world. They probably
0: had dishes like ye old cheese. <laughs> raclette. What is it? Like? <laughs> yeah, raclette cheese. Yeah. I'm imagining lots of ye old things.
1: Right. I don't know. Old The old world restaurant. A man approached her. He was much older than Vicky, who... By the way, I just want to hammer home that she is 17 years old at this time. This man introduced himself as Alfred Bloomingdale. <laughs> Alfred told Vicky that his wife was away in Europe and that he had a daughter around the same age as her and that she played tennis. And because of a knee injury, he could no longer play tennis with her. Perhaps Vicky could be
0: friends with his daughter and play tennis with her. This is the richest old guy pickup line I've ever heard. <laughs> How is this like like what Right. I mean it's so obvious what he's doing, but to take that long of like just fucking say hey My wife's out of town. (laughs) Right. Like who would fall for
1: that? Especially to to like even hammer home the fact that your age difference is so much bigger. Like my daughter's your age. Right. Right. So this guy's in his
0: 50s, like his late 50s. Okay, so he's like 10 years older than her husband. Yes. But probably like 10 times as rich. Yes. (laughs) So, I mean, come on.
1: Right. So Vicky thought Alfred was interesting, so she gave him her phone number. Interesting. She's like, hmm, wife's away in Europe, daughter plays tennis. That's very interesting. That's fascinating.
0: Wow. (laughs) I'm riveted by this conversation.
1: (laughs) Vicky didn't know that the man she was talking to was Alfred S. Bloomingdale of Bloomingdale's department store. His grandfather invented Bloomingdale's. Wait,
0: he told her, my name's Alfred Bloomingdale? Yes. And she didn't put two and two together? Well, no,
1: <laughs> she didn't because she was kind of like this, you know, uh, lower middle class girl. So she had, didn't know Bloomingdale's. She didn't know Bloomingdale's. It was just in New York at that time. Oh, okay. So this is L.A., But he's like, he's loaded. He's fucking loaded. He's the heir to Bloomingdale's, which is still a huge fucking department store. He was also the man who founded a credit system called Dine and Sign, which would later become known as the diner's club card. So he's extra, extra loaded. I mean,
0: not only was he rich, but he was also connected as fuck. Right, I mean, Diners Club is something I haven't thought about in forever. Does that even still exist? Like, it's so retro to me. I yeah, don't, I don't even. know. I don't even really know what it was. Is it? Was it just for restaurants? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. It was some. Specific- Did you earn points? Maybe. I guess maybe it's like that credit card from Firefest guy. <laughs> no, just- but it
1: was legit. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. <laughs> but where you get points? Well, you, well, it has like perks to it, like, Right.
1: something this is how fucking rich this guy is this is like how rich guy he is is that the whole like the whole reason he invented this line like this system of credit is so that his rich friends would have this specific system of credit right that they wanted and he's like oh i'll just fucking do that yeah. i have the capital to like invent this thing Ugh. Let's talk a little bit about Alfred. Okay. Alfred was born April 15th, 1916 to a wealthy family in New York City, obviously. His grandfather, Lyman Bloomingdale, was the co-founder of the famous Bloomingdale's department store. In 1946, Alfred married Betty Lee Newling, a wealthy Roman Catholic girl. And after they were married, Betty, who was now going by Betsy, convinced Alfred to convert from a Jewish Democrat to a Catholic
0: Republican. I know Betsy Bloomingdale. I mean, she was, like, big in New York when I was growing up. Yeah. Like a socialite, whatever. Right. Not young, but, like, an old.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk about her some more. Okay. Definitely. So they had three children. Betsy went on to become a well-known socialite and fashion icon landing on prestigious best dress lists. And I looked, I went through like all of her outfits. Like, I mean, I, I was like, I okay. spent, yeah, you were like, I'm going to, I'll, I'll be the judge. Of that. I was, I was like the judge. I was like, I need to be the judge and see if she's the best dressed. Here's my hot take. Um, she was, had good clothes cause she was fucking rich. Right. There wasn't anything particularly remarkable about her
0: style. She just had, she could afford good stuff. She could afford. And also she probably knew every fashion editor and patronized all the designers. So she was obviously going to be on these lists. Like, right. I remember those best dress lists from those days. It was like all nothing remarkable. It wasn't like anyone who truly was exhibiting style. Right. It was just like, you know, it's like, rich people clothes they it's have like, oh wow chanel suits okay she wears chanel suits every day great right.
1: <laughs> great she's very stylish sure obviously. she doesn't look bad but what's the style but there's nothing that interesting about it right she's not doing anything unique with it uh, it's like it's not like oh best dress list you know you put like grace jones like that's someone who has an impeccable right personal style yeah you know or like someone who has interesting style or or a style that influenced uh other people like debbie harry or, or yeah do you know what i mean yeah. like something where it's a very unique point of view exactly i looked at all her outfits and i'm like yeah she had a couple gowns that slapped but like There was nothing remarkable about her style. And I'm just saying this from a completely like, I had to be the judge
0: of that. Well, it's kind of like when people lose weight really fast. It's like, well, I could do that too if I had a personal (laughs) chef and a a trainer there every day yelling at me. Yeah, like, of course,
1: celebrities (laughs) have great fucking skin. Like, they can afford it. They have all of
0: that stuff. It's like, show me like the poor bitch who. (laughs) (laughs) right puts it together like from thrift store stuff that's that's impressive that's the fashion blog i want to read of course is
1: the thrifty bitch yeah Mm -hmm. that's that's inspiring to me okay so betsy and alfred of course ran in some very high profile social circles and they were both very close to the reagan's more on that later (laughs) because that will come up later (laughs) so Alfred Bloomingdale starts calling Vicky Morgan all the time. And at first Vicky brushed him off, telling him, look, I'm married. But the calls continued. I mean, this is the kind of guy who has probably never had to hear the word no in his entire fucking life. He's not about to let some 17-year-old girl he wants to bone say no to her or say no to him. So he is like persistent.
0: My daughter needs a tennis partner. (laughs) god damn it <laughs> uh alfred had to
1: see her vicky agreed to go to lunch with alfred and they met back up at the old world restaurant why wouldn't you be like take me to fucking the ivy <laughs> somewhere more expensive than the old world this is why i needed to see the menu
0: like how good was this place? it must have been a good restaurant right no maybe it was just in like a hot spot Yeah, I don't know. Because I feel like restaurants just weren't as good back then. (laughs) That's my opinion. Like, you know, I feel like food got better. I agree. And that's actually a really
1: good point you made, because I feel like the food, like the like, oat cuisine revolution really didn't start until the 80s with like Wolfgang Puck.
0: Right. Where people kind of expected this high level of food always, especially like in rich areas, like Beverly Hills or just Los Angeles in general, probably. right. Like now we probably have 50 like whatever Michelin star equivalent restaurants in LA. Yeah. Also, when you go to a lot of those old school restaurants that have been around forever, I haven't been to the Ivy, but like let's say Chateau Marmont or like Lowry's. Let's say Lowry's. (laughs) The food is very basic. It's not like bad, but it's like that's what I always imagine those old school restaurants, Hollywood, whatever iconic restaurants to be right. like. Right.
1: It's not like experimental or right.
0: It's like steakhouse kind of stuff. Totally. Yeah. Like you get prime rib and scallop potatoes. Right. And it's good. Right. It's good. It's but it's just, not like what we expect for like an expensive Beverly Hills restaurant or whatever. something
1: that has like edible flowers on the plate and like a sprig of moss. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's like something on chef's table. I don't know. <clears throat> Some
0: froth. It has froth. Yeah. It always has froth or foam. I've never
1: enjoyed froth. I've actually never. I don't know if I've had froth on a plate before, but I always see that on chef's table. It's
0: always on cooking shows, and I believe I've had it like once. It was like parsley thro- froth or something. Like, obviously, it's a small portion of the meal, but it does just look like bile. It looks like someone spit on your plate. Yeah. It's weird. I you don't know? get it. Okay. So when.
1: Vicky got to, to the restaurant to meet Alfred. He was there with one of his female acquaintances. Okay. And Vicky later speculated that this was because he, she wanted to size her up.
0: Oh. To be like, who is this th- new girl you're meeting? Oh, so maybe he's having affairs like this often. Oh, just well. <laughs>
1: as, as they, as they say, Oh my sweet summer child. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, the next time Vicky met Alfred was in front of Schwab's Pharmacy of all places, <laughs> which I feel like is very symbolic. Yes, that's where was that Veronica Lake? Lana Lana Turner, Lana Turner was mm-hmm. discovered there. He instructed Vicky to take his uh, female associate who had met up with them in front of Schwab's in her car and follow him up to his large home in the hills. This was not Alfred's home that he shared with his wife in Bel Air. This was his, quote, playhouse. (laughs) Gross. On the way up to Alfred's home, the woman who rode with Vicky told her this. Alfred has a real interest in you, and I'm here to tell you that he's going to beat you when he sees you up at that house, as he does all the hookers he sees. He will probably tie you up. He wants me to tell you this, but he wants me to also let you know that you are special to him and that he will make special, what's the word, allowances (laughs) (laughs) allowances <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Vicky, hearing this as yeah. you're
1: in the car going to this like relative stranger's
0: house yeah i feel like they should have told her that before the drive <laughs> <laughs> right before they before she got in the car she's like how do i get out of this thing right because now you're probably also curious <laughs> <laughs> and she was she was no. like uh i mean she was hesitant but she was like what did she initially think she was going up there for just to hang out or? yeah so she was naive
1: yeah when vicky arrived to the house she met another woman there named Kay. Kay was older than vicky alfred instructed the girls to meet him upstairs vicky was like wait a minute i'm married and alfred was like oh honey you need to get rid of your husband what's his price oh like he literally said that like i will buy out your husband
0: not earl lamb <laughs> Oh, there's a cat. There's a cat
1: outside. <laughs> that cat is like it's in heat. It's in heat here in this story. According to a deposition that would be filed over 10 years later, Vicky said this about what had ha- what happened up in Alfred's bedroom. <sighs> "Quote. By the time Alfred walked up there, these two women were nude and I was told to take my clothes off." and alfred was already taking his off and he asked one of the girls to get the equipment which is alfred bloomingdale's belt his ties that he wears around his neck and excuse me gentlemen a dildo (laughs) i love the excuse me gentlemen part yeah like she's like oh pardon me (laughs) i don't know how else to say this it's a dildo in the newspaper article i read after it said dildo it had parentheses and the parentheses said a sex instrument like (laughs) it called it like an
0: instrument i always laugh when people are ashamed to say things like that because obviously i don't have that gene. but i'm so like the opposite that even when i'm trying to search for something scientific i'm like peanut i'm like dick (laughs) (laughs) like i all use like dick and cock instead of our pussy (laughs) my pussy's itching (laughs) and like nothing comes up i was like oh yeah i should probably put vagina (laughs) to be all official (laughs) that's like that curb your enthusiasm
1: episode where somebody said oh to like about their daughter they were like oh she has an itchy pussy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and larry david was fucking horrified <laughs> it was like some man or maybe it was maybe it was the woman it was like a woman he was dating and she was like my daughter has an itchy pussy <laughs> she was like eight <laughs> i have to find that episode it was fucking amazing oh my god so this is also continued this is a quote from the deposition from vicky he then proceeded to have everyone line up against a wall and he beat them with his belt alfred asked me wasn't that fun alfred had a look in his eyes believe me when i say it was a look in his eyes and his face that scared me to death he'd have these girls crawl on the floor and he would sit on their back and drool okay i mean he drool
0: (laughs) did she get beat or did she just watch initially the first day
1: uh i think she got swatted i think she got okay. swatted with this belt But then he was also making her watch yeah he wanted uh-huh. her to like see like this is what we do up Next here week you're gonna i'm gonna be riding on you <laughs> <laughs> there was always drool mentioned whenever the girls uh, were called. like he would always like end up drooling on these girls backs it's almost grosser because he's old yeah it's like old man drool <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally though vicky was afraid of alfred she was also intrigued by him
0: <laughs> she called him i've never related to something <laughs> more <laughs> where you're horrified you're by horrified like, and disgusted
1: by someone but also intrigued that's like yesterday when i was where was i i was i was like at target yesterday and i passed by this man and this woman and they were talking and the woman goes i can't wait to see what happens after she poops <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i was like wait don't leave i need to know. what who i mean that is a snippet to over here <laughs> don't walk away bitch i had my cart i was like wait who poops why what's gonna happen if you hear someone say poop in any public situation you need to know what's going on i mean that's just not a word used by adults frequently (laughs) so
1: vicky also thought alfred was fascinating that's a word that she used like oh he was fascinating to me
0: i mean when you're 17 or 18
1: yeah that's not hard and she's still 17 at this point right And Alfred wanted to shower Vicky with lavish gifts and trips, and soon she was living in luxury on Alfred's dime. Just a few months into her affair with Alfred, Vicky's husband found out and got into a shouting match over the phone with him. Alfred offered to buy Vicky from him, and he was rightfully fucking disgusted by that and was like, Uh, where i'm from we don't buy human beings right like i like how
0: all of a sudden earl lamb has some some morality
1: (laughs) right (laughs) you're not gonna buy my 17 year old wife how dare you i have a line (laughs) (laughs) but vicky was actually falling in love with alfred oh boy and so she split up with her husband earl Alfred rented Vicky a nice apartment, and at one point she had a monthly allowance of up to eighteen thousand dollars. Wow! This is nineteen
0: seventies money. Wow! Yeah, that's quite. I mean, for a second, there was part of me that that thinks like, "Oh, it would be hot if someone offered to buy me for somebody. <laughs> like, I don't want to be seen as property, but that would be like, "Wow, you must really want me, <laughs> right?" Like, right. how good are these gifts? He offered to pay you a million dollars for me.
1: <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Alfred expected more of Vicky than just sex. He wanted her to act as his second wife, to be there for him whenever he needed. Less than a year into the relationship, Betsy Blumendale's best friend found out about Alfred's affair with Vicky. Well, Betsy's best friend
0: was Nancy Reagan. <laughs> okay, I think that's where I started really knowing about her. Yeah. It was from the Nancy Reagan yeah. stuff. They yeah. were besties and how would nancy reagan find out about anything she like saw them and was like oh oh she saw them in la somewhere yeah okay nancy saw
1: alfred and vicky out together because remember this is when oh this is 70 so she's like governor's wife or something yes so nancy saw alfred and vicky out together and by the way when alfred would go out with vicky to like parties and events he always introduced her as his daughter
0: (laughs) Like, no one would know.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, it's my daughter, Lisa. She's grown up a lot. <laughs> you like this top I got her? You like this chainmail top I got her? It's hot, right? Look at those tits. <laughs> When Betsy became aware of the affair after spotting Alfred and Vicky outside of the hair salon where she was there with her real daughter, Lisa, she lost it. According to Vicky, Betsy told her husband, quote, not only have I and your daughter seen you, this whole town knows about you and this woman. I mean, Alfred really did not give a shit about- I mean, does she not know about the fuck pad? Like, (laughs) like, is this the first time she's caught him? Like- Uh- I'm pretty sure he had
0: several other affairs. Okay, with women. I mean, this like was, long term. Yeah, like so. This is just the first time he's been caught by Betsy. And it almost, I bet you, in this situation, it's like, I know what you're doing. Don't get fucking caught and humiliate me in public. I bet you, it's more of that situation. Yes, probably. like
1: she probably had her inklings about him right stepping out on her all the time and like fucking all these other girls, but she didn't want to be embarrassed. It right. was all about decorum, of especially. Course in the reagan circle like they were you know we're very moral yeah classy people Mm -hmm. we can't have this kind of right stuff so alfred told vicky that he would leave his wife and marry her really and he promised to take care of her financially for the rest of her life in 1971 alfred got vicky pregnant whoa but she ended up having an abortion and from what i read it seemed like alfred was the one who was like you're getting an abortion
0: yeah like this was not she had a baby before so clearly and she was anti-abortion right or she didn't want to get. she
1: wasn't anti-abortion so much as her mom her mom was uh anti-abortion and she was still living at her mom's house right. and she well, she was much younger yeah and she was really young and her mom was like you're gonna keep the baby this is like the environment she grew up in right. where it was like you don't have an abortion you keep the baby vicky and alfred would have sex with other women in the room and it always involved some kind of bdsm that was alfred's thing at first, Alfred only had actual intercourse with Vicky, but other woman, women were eventually invited in to participate in the sex acts, like the intercourse, sex. Deep, to get deep dicked by him? <laughs> to get deep dicked by Alfred <laughs> Bloomingdale. Vicky said that he had a Marquis de Sade complex. She said, quote, Alfred was two people. He was a Jekyll and Hyde. I mean a sickness. I truly mean a sickness. At one point, Alfred agreed to go to therapy with Vicky. And later, Vicky... sorry. <laughs> I'm going to therapy with your mistress. It's absurd. And later, Vicky decided that she needed to get away from Alfred altogether. So she escaped to Europe, but he pursued her. She had her phone number changed a number of times, but he was friends with someone at the fucking phone company Ugh. and was able to track her down, always. And he just would not let her get away. Yeah. Like, this guy was fucking relentless. Like he really had a hold on her financially obviously right. and emotionally. Right. And by 1975, Vicky was just done with Alfred. And so she married a man named John David Carson, an actor who she actually met through Alfred at one point. Wow. Which I feel like is a really great fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you, I'm going to get married to this guy you introduced me. Beauty should be good for you. And that's why we're excited to tell you about Beauty Counter. See why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Hollywood to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood. But Alfred was determined to get Vicky back, and so he did everything in his power to sabotage the marriage. He continued calling Vicky. He offered her new husband money to divorce her. He did the same thing, like, I'll buy, what's your price? I'll right. buy her off right. of you. This persistent harassment led John David Carson to tell Alfred, you leave my wife alone, to which Alfred replied, you'll never work in this town again. It must feel good to say that.
0: <laughs> just and be once, able to do it. Just you once,
1: know? I yeah. love to say that to somebody. <laughs> I mean, but like, Alfred, I'm sorry. Alfred's a real fucking schmuck, like. He doesn't seem great.
0: He just thinks like he can just buy his way through everything. There's also something about someone that rich and controlling wanting to beat people that's just not hot. do you know what i mean like yeah he, like it's just gross
1: why like, aren't they beating him that's like a more interesting power dynamic that's what usually they want
0: they right. like not they like being submissive so mm-hmm. for him to want to still be dominant in those situations is like dude like you have a problem and i
1: <laughs> highly doubt that alfred was practicing actual real bdsm in terms of no like what real People who are in the scene where you practice. have like a set of rules and, and consent. Like consent, yeah. Oh no, no, no. He was like into all the like you know surface stuff of what he thought
0: right. BDSM culture was, but he wasn't. He wasn't being respectful yeah. about it. No, I mean that's why I think it was just a control thing yes. for him. He didn't get any of the power dynamics or whatever,
1: which makes sense that Vicky would be like, "This guy had a sickness." Oh yeah, because for it, sure, because yeah, because there's well, no- de side was was a sadist sadist. that's where that comes from the marriage between john and vicky crumbled less than a year after it started presumably from all the pressure right and just like i can't okay you win old man yeah like stop fucking calling me you know so vicky returned to alfred i mean she really at this point she this is like her new normal this is her constant like she does she doesn't know who else to return to and she also has this like feeling of loyalty towards him at this point. And then the money came pouring back in once she returned to him, which obviously she liked. Vicki was set up in a new apartment. And at this time she decided that she wanted her son Todd to move in with her. And so he did. Vicky spent the money Alfred gave her with no abandon. She went on shopping trips. She had limo services. She bought herself a Mercedes. She would buy gifts for her friends. Um, I was reading an article and it was like the one responsible financial decision she made was that she took a $100,000 life insurance policy for for herself or for her son, you know? Like, Wait, how old was
0: her son at this point?
1: So her son was born in 1969. This okay. is like 75. So, so he's she, young. Yeah. Like she moved back in with her when he was like seven or eight. Okay. And Vicky's still fucking young too. Yeah. She's in her early 20s. But Vicky was bored even though she had this glamorous life and she would get to go on these glamorous trips with Alfred or even just by herself. And and she had every material thing that she could want.
0: She was bored, you know, you're, I mean, it does. I'm not hearing anything about friends.
1: <laughs> she had, <laughs> right? Like, right. I mean, she had friends and stuff, but she wasn't doing what she had come to LA right. to do, which was to be an actress or a model. Like right. she had her own ambitions And she wasn't doing any of those things. And it was like soul sucking. And I mean, her whole life at this point was just dedicated to Alfred's every whim. Right. So they didn't, he stopped even taking her out to dinner. Like she was just like homebound. Yeah. Like she was homebound. And like, if he would call, like she would have to be there
0: for him. Right. And there's no cell phones. You have to sit there and wait. (laughs) Totally.
1: Um, Alfred also kept stringing Vicky along promising to divorce Betsy and just have a life with her, but of course he never did. Right. I mean that was something really cruel that he always did is he would always promise her I'm I'm going to divorce her. I mean it's a classic married guy thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. In 1978, Vicky started dating a real estate developer named Robert Schulman. And despite Alfred's protestations and tantrums and attempts to buy his mistress back from her new boyfriend, Vicky and Robert did wind up getting married. Dude,
0: she's been married a lot. She's married (laughs) three times.
1: Alfred continued to chase Vicky. And after, uh, just within six months, her marriage to Robert ended and she returned to Alfred. So another like six month marriage. I mean, this guy must've been super fucking abusive like it's unrelenting unrelenting mm-hmm. where it's like it's worth it it's more worth it to get divorced so he can just leave you well, alone probably
0: also feel guilty doing that to some guy like putting him through it like, oh yeah you know what i mean like of course yeah vicky moved
1: into a new home on tower grove drive in beverly hills let's talk about the reagans okay so the year is 1981 mm-hmm. and alfred bloomingdale is a part of his very close friend Ronald Reagan's kitchen cabinet. Oh. Do you know what a kitchen cabinet is? So a kitchen cabinet, for those of you who don't know, it's basically a group of unofficial advisors to the president. So Alfred had for years been giving Ronald Reagan, you know, political advice and financial advice. And, I mean, he is in the inner circle of the Reagan administration. Vicky was invited to the inaugural ball in 1981 yes but she declined and i think the reason she was invited not only because of alfred but alfred had asked that she worked on the reagan campaign he was like you're gonna work on the reagan campaign and she did she worked as a mailing list checker for his office and (laughs) like yeah of course here's a career you're right. happy you're happy you have a job you're checking the mailing list she did however fly to Washington and stayed in a hotel during the inaugural ball and she probably did that so she was there to fuck alfred Ugh. when he needed after the ball right. you know and betsy was there i've seen i saw pictures of fucking betsy yeah, of Bloomingdale there, yeah. like with nancy reagan by the summer of 1981 Alfred was diagnosed with throat cancer. He was dying. Vicky visited Alfred at the hospital every day. And though Betsy was busy with her social life and not as available as Vicky, she was still furious that her husband's mistress visited him at the hospital. While Alfred was in the hospital, he drew up an arrangement that left Vicky with two years of a $10,000 a month allowance and half of his shares in showbiz pizza. (laughs) Do you know showbiz pizza? Yes, I do. Do you want to describe showbiz pizza?
0: Okay. Showbiz pizza is a competitor to Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, I don't know if it's regional, but when I grew up in Florida, it was showbiz pizza and not Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) Um, I don't really remember what their gimmick is. I want to say bears in a band. (laughs) That's Chuck E. Cheese. No, but I think it had a similar thing. Like It had some kind of animatronic band and i think it was bears it's not Chuck E. cheese because E. cheese is a mouse oh right and like uh different characters right but i think this was all bears right so kind of like the um country bears <laughs> at disneyland you know what i mean yeah so that that's like my memory um i i may have had a party there as a kid <laughs> but that could have just been a fantasy of mine <laughs> you didn't get to actually have the, the showbiz did pizza. pizza i know i liked going to showbiz pizza but it's Basically Chuck E. Cheese. They have
1: like a ball pit and like games and They shit. have like the
0: ski ball and like the tickets. It's all of the same stuff. Pizza, like you know what I mean? It's right. the exact same thing, but just like slightly different um characters. Those animatronics at Chuck E. Cheese were frightening. Also, I mean, that doesn't exist anymore, showbiz pizza. I no thing. It doesn't. Yeah. So that was not a great deal. <laughs> But what an insane thing for him to have owned, like right, like it's so random. He must have just owned stakes in so many different things because he was yeah, so he was rich. Just probably putting his money wherever.
1: Right. When Alfred returned home to Bel Air under a full time nursing care, Vicky continued to visit. Eventually, Betsy told the guards at the gate to stop all visitors from coming because she was like, "No, yeah, I'm going to tell because." Bel Air is a gated community. You have to like have a fucking gate code or whatever. I've never even been in there. So I don't know. Right. To get in to this community. So she's like, you don't let any visitors into our house. Right. No one. So Vicky couldn't go there anymore. But in June of 1982, Alfred did manage to sneak out and meet Vicky for lunch. And that was the last time that he ever saw her. Because of her husband's condition, Betsy Bloomingdale took over the finances, and as a result, Vicky didn't receive her monthly ten thousand dollar check. Uh, Vicky then hired celebrity lawyer Marvin Mitchelson and filed a palimony suit for eleven million dollars. On August 13th, 1982, Vicky filed a 231-page deposition in which she described in great detail her sexual and romantic relationship with Alfred Bloomingdale, like over the 12 years they'd been together. Right. In the suit, Vicky claimed that she acted as a sex therapist for Alfred Bloomingdale, <sighs> quote, to help him overcome his Marquis de Sade complex. <laughs> a week later, Alfred was dead. Alfred died August 23, 1982, at a hospital in Santa Monica. He was 66. Attorneys for the Bloomingdale estate argued that the suit should be dismissed on the grounds that their arrangement was, quote, a contract for prostitution and therefore not legally binding vicky's relationship with marvin mitchelson disintegrated after he next accepted a request from ronald reagan's special assistant in political affairs a guy named morgan mason who by the way is the son of james mason oh yeah so this guy's like this working directly Mm -hmm. with ronald reagan right so vicky's attorney gets a call from him and he's like ronald reagan wants to have a we need to have a meeting okay you know that's
0: abuse of uh, executive power
1: (laughs) oh yeah so morgan mason at this meeting they did discuss the suit like that's what they discussed because this was really embarrassing for the reagan's right because this is making the papers that alfred bloomingdale's mistress is suing the estate to get the money that she's owed right and it's the president's advisor or one of one of his advisors in his kitchen cabinet and it's also his wife's uh, best friend best husband. friend's husband right. so it's like this is very embarrassing for the reagan's right. we can't have this ronald reagan however was not present for that discussion vicky was also upset that her celebrity lawyer had widely publicized the case and that her name was splashed across every tabloid her mental state was quickly deteriorating vicky was out of money and she moved out of her beverly hills condo and into an apartment in studio city She became paranoid of Betsy Bloomingdale and afraid that she had taken on this rich and connected family. She even started going by a different name because at that point she had just felt like a total pariah. Right. I mean, and if I was her, I'd be probably be paranoid too. Yeah. Like, what did I get myself into? Right. Like, not only are these people rich and connected, they're so connected that they're friends with the president of the United States. Like, it is scary. When the judge who was presiding over the palimony suit threw most of her case out, Vicki was obviously devastated. And in November 1982, Vicki hired television writer Gordon Basycus, probably pronouncing that last name wrong, to co-write her tell-all book. She wanted the book to be called Alfred's Mistress. By 1983, Vicki was struggling financially. She couldn't afford the rent at her Studio City apartment. And what little money that she did have left was sent to her son, Todd, for his high school tuition. Vicky sold her Mercedes and her jewelry just to buy the groceries.
0: So she has, like, none of her fancy shit even left. Like, she's selling all of it. She should have saved all that shit, not for the deposition, but threatened to release all that shit for money. Oh yeah, because the fact that she gave it in deposition was like she gave away all of her leverage. Like she could have said, "I'm going to fucking embarrass you and Reagan. Give me my fucking money, or I'm going to put this in the National Enquirer." Right? But when she gave it in the deposition, it was done. It was already out. Like, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, this is someone who's like again was young. I know it's just frustrating. It is frustrating. It was like that, that was the way she could have gotten it. Probably say, right. "I'm going to tell everything," or else. Right. And then the book would have been a bestseller. Because the deposition was also made public, too. Right, so she had nothing even for her book that people didn't already know. like Right, exactly.
1: Vicky then ends up reuniting with a friend that she hasn't seen in several years. This guy's name is Marvin Pancoast, and he's 33 years old. The pair had met in 1979 when they were both staying in the mental health center at Cedars-Sinai Hospital. Now, Marvin had some odd jobs he didn't stay and he also didn't stay at jobs for very long right. like his most recent job at this point when they reunited was he was working as a duplicating machine operator which I took it to mean that he operated the xerox
0: machine right well I think that that used to be a more serious thing it wasn't like a do-it-yourself type thing right Do you know what I mean like you would take it in and they had to copy things for you right so he had that job at the William Morris agency. Ooh.
1: And he was well liked by his coworkers and friends. According to one friend who knew Marvin Pancos as early as nineteen sixty-seven, Marvin had ambitions of being a hairdresser. Wow. He, yeah. But he never <laughs> did that. Right. Like he obvi- you know, he had some mental health problems, uh-huh. he had some drinking problems, like he never got to he never had a chance to pursue his dreams, so he had these sort of dead-end jobs right. for a long time. He was nice, but a bit scattered. That's what people who said they knew him. Like, uh-huh. he had anxiety. He was a little scattered, but he was really nice. And in the 1970s, Marvin made the news for standing at the top of the roof of the Hyatt Hotel on Sunset because he was going to jump off the roof and commit suicide. Wow. Yeah. Marvin moved into Vicky's studio city home and they lived together as roommates. They commiserated on their failed dreams and their hardships over the years. Vicky was depressed over the lack of interest in her book and obviously over her financial situation. Vicky was existing on a diet of candy bars, scotch, wine, Valium, and cocaine. Drag me, Rachel. (laughs) she couldn't even afford to live with Marvin in Studio City. Her mother, helped her, look for, uh, her mother helped her look for cheaper places. Vicky confided to her mother that her co-writer, Gordon, had hit her one night. She had a bruise on her cheek. Meanwhile, Gordon visited a high-powered attorney slash businessman in an attempt to sell Vicky's story. He claimed that her book would be more explosive than Watergate. But when Gordon produced a tape of Vicky dictating her story, because that's how they did it, is she would dictate and he would type it up and right. write it. The attorney thought that the story wasn't as juicy politically as Gordon had made it out to be because Gordon, for some reason, decides to send him like the tape of the first part of her life where she's just talking about her childhood. And he's like,
0: well, this isn't very juicy at all. Right. Instead of the selling point.
1: Right. So he's not a very good salesman. It's frustrating. Gordon. On July 5th, 1983, Vicki's mom helped her daughter pack her Studio City apartment for the move to a cheaper place in Burbank. Todd was at a friend's house and Marvin was at an AA meeting. Gordon Bissakis spent the night at Vicki's Studio City condo with her. Vicki was having reservations about continuing to be roommates with Marvin And the next day, on Wednesday the 6th, Vicky's mom returned to Los Angeles to help Vicky pack more to move to Burbank. That evening, Vicky's mom went with Marvin to pick up her son Todd. Todd thought it was strange that Marvin had his baseball bat in his car. Vicky's mom then left Los Angeles just before 9 p.m. on Wednesday evening. And in the early hours of Thursday morning at 3.20 a.m., Marvin Pancoast walked into the North Hollywood police office. Marvin said to the clerk at the front desk, I want to speak to a homicide detective. I've just killed someone. Whoa. Vicky was found in her apartment bludgeoned to death. She suffered multiple skull fractures and intercerebral hemorrhaging. The cause of death was blunt force trauma. There were signs of a struggle indicated by her broken fingers, She was so badly beaten that it wasn't clear just how many times she had been bludgeoned, like all the specific bruises and wounds meshed together. together, Right. The weapon, of course, was a baseball bat. Marvin said, quote, I remembered I had a baseball bat. I went outside and got it. Then I went upstairs and turned the water on in the bathroom. Noise factor, I guess. Then I started hitting her. She raised up in the bed when I hit her the first time. It scared me, but I just kept hitting her again and again and again. I don't know how many times. According to Marvin, he was angry that Vicky just sat around like the Queen of Sheba while her mother packed all of her things. He also said, I was tired. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus.
0: Like, I've been tired before. I mean, I just got mad about a milkshake. Right. But I've never (laughs)
1: been that tired. No,
0: That's tired. That seems like a lot of work for being tired right like beat someone with a baseball bat
1: (laughs) that is a lot of work that i don't want to be doing i mean like look like we get i i will get upset over some really trivial things but that's next level no robert steinberg who briefly acted as marvin's defense attorney came forward claiming that he was in possession of three sex tapes involving alfred bloomingdale a u.s congressman and four high appointees of the reagan administration yeah Vicky, along with other women, were said to be on these tapes as well in what was described by Robert as, like, an orgy. Gross. <laughs> the tapes were given to Robert Steinberg by an unidentified woman believed to have talked to Marvin Pancoast after his first meeting with the attorney. According to Steinberg, the tapes showed Alfred and Vicky engaged in BDSM-like sex acts. Steinberg, however, stated that he believed the best thing to do would be to destroy the tapes— what I think, I think Marvin asked this woman to get the tapes from his apartment because they. So he randomly had the tapes because they were Vicky's tapes. Oh, I see. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. Vicky. Vicky was in possession of the tapes, so Got he's it. like, I'm... "Dude, she had those tapes. She didn't do anything with them." Okay, so,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, maybe she was planning on doing I guess, something. With she the seemed book. like she
0: was really drawing out her eviction. like
1: right like how how far was she gonna take it i mean i don't know i i wonder about i mean maybe she was still in love with alfred i i I don't know yeah for whatever reason or she was scared of the reagan's yeah like so there are these tapes but steinberg believed he wasn't satisfied that these tapes could help marvin's case because that's why i don't see how they would help him uh and and we'll get to Okay. We'll get to the reasoning that that his defense attorneys wanted to use. So this guy, Robert Steinberg, was his first defense attorney, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't during the trial. Okay. So Marvin went on trial for the murder of Vicki Morgan in June of 1984. He pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Marvin told the jury that he loved Vicki and that he thought of her like a sister. The prosecution argued that Marvin was sane and that he killed Vicky because of his growing frustration of her, that she had treated him like an errand boy and a servant. Marvin's defense attorney said that their client wasn't in his right mind when he made the confession to the police and that it was possible that Vicky was actually murdered by someone powerful who was threatened by her possession of compromising material as well as her upcoming tell-all book Mm. because this tell-all book was being publicized that this was coming out. Robert Steinberg refused to testify and never produced any tapes. And of course, my ass is thinking, oh, the Reagans got to him. Yeah. That's why he was like, uh, I don't want to do anything with right. the tapes. I don't even want to testify. Right. But Marvin was found sane and guilty. He was sentenced to 26 years to life in prison. By the end of 1984, Vicky's estate won one of the suits that wasn't thrown out by the judge. So the estate was awarded $200,000 on the grounds that there had been a written contract from Alfred Bloomingdale to pay Vicky $240,000. And since Vicky had received $40,000 before his wife got yeah. in charge of the finances, she was awarded, her estate was awarded the rest of the money. And the money went to Vicky's sole heir, which was her 15-year-old son, Todd. That's good. Yeah, right? In 1985, Gordon Bysakas... Published his tell all book about Vicky's life called Beautiful Bad Girl, The Vicky Morgan Story. And in nineteen ninety, Dominic Dunn published a fictionalized novel of Vicki's life with Alfred Bloomingdale called An Inconvenient Woman. In nineteen ninety one, Marvin Pankos died in prison of AIDS related illnesses. The uh, Betsy Bloomingdale actually died just like two or three years I ago. Know,
0: she was like 180. Yeah. <laughs> she was so old. She was fucking old. Yeah, she was. So yeah, that's the Vicki Morgan story. I remember seeing the TV movie with Rebecca De Mornay yeah. as, as Vicki Morgan or whatever her character's name was in the movie, but I don't remember the other cast members. Did you watch it? Or? I've never seen the oh. movie. I, didn't even know I there think was I read TV the movie. book and I saw the TV movie. An Inconvenient? An Inconvenient Woman, right. Right. Yeah, because I read all of Dominic Dunn's books in my lifetime throughout the years you know me <laughs> yeah he's great. uh yeah but yeah i think that might be one of his only fictionalized one yeah. or maybe he did a fictionalized of the martha moxley too i can't remember
1: what's crazy is that i read also was that dominic dunn was actually friends with betsy bloomingdale right
0: because he ran in those circles yes
1: yeah and he she just like was like okay i know you just wrote this fucking book about my husband's life but i guess that we're that whole friends. set
0: is like a weird group of people the uber rich society kind of people it's fucking weird it's like i want to say incestuous but they're not it's not incestuous but there's something where it's like they're all looking out for each other and they're fucking gross it's <laughs> screwing around and doing all this shitty stuff right but acting like they're all prim and proper you know what i mean like and like look i do act absolutely believe that vicky was probably threatened at some
1: point of course, by someone in the Reagan administration.
0: Even if it wasn't direct, it's like people know what they want done, and they right. take it upon themselves because they never leave a trail. Right. So yeah, I mean she she was in a thing more than she could handle for she sure. She was in. And way once overhead. he was dead, it was done. She had no he, protection.
1: Right. She had nothing. And i mean it is a really... she wasn't
0: smart enough or experienced enough to know how to deal with that situation like someone more savvy might have been like great give me fucking a million dollars right now like right. i'm not waiting for the end and this will all go yeah, away like i want fucking ironclad contracts do you know what i mean like it is a really
1: sad story to me because i do feel like
0: she i mean she was she was a child <laughs> yeah when this started right like and i don't even necessarily think that he was lying to her i think he was like sure i'll give you this money because that was a drop in the bucket for him like, right yeah. i do think he
1: probably like thought he loved her yes in whatever sick way he knew how to show it well to he her.
0: kept her around a very long
1: time yes so and he snuck out to see her when he was on his deathbed yeah I mean, like i think he did have feelings for her but i think his way of showing that was like super manipulative, super controlling yeah. and not uh very romantic at times. No. Like no. just because you buy someone a lot of stuff doesn't mean you're romantic. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not when you're drooling on their back. Have you seen this guy too? Have you seen I'm going to look him? him up. I'm going to look him up when it's over cuz I don't remember what he looks like, but I'm guessing not great. <laughs> no. <laughs> i was like he's like one of those people where you're like wow when people were in their 50s back in the day that was really old like now someone could be super hot in their 60s right but back then it was like 50s was like you looked like fred from i love lucy right exactly (laughs)
1: like he looks so old yeah he looks so old and it's
0: like people don't know how hot everyone is now until like 70 (laughs) right no it used to not be that way harrison
1: ford's still fucking
0: hot Dude, look at Bruce Springsteen. He's fucking hot. Like, I know. It's crazy. Like, right. yeah, so People
1: are hotter now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, great. Good story. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.